Well, I got to move quickly. So if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me if you would. I'm going to shave some of this down for the sake of time. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to speak today about tending the garden of our church. Holy Spirit, help us. Grant unto us a greater measure of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Give us minds to comprehend and hearts to receive. We ask today that by the power of the living God, that you would anoint these words. May they not be my words, but may they be holy and anointed words that go down into the very bedrock of this house for generations to come. May they establish a precedence. May they establish a pattern. May they establish a standard and a model in the spirit, God, that that we conform to. God, we pray that uh, we would hear these words, not from the spirit of condemnation or self-accusation. We would hear these words, God, as sons and daughters. And we would would conform to the Christ-likeness that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I love how the Lord leads. As we started this series off weeks ago, I had a particular idea of what the Lord wanted to communicate that I still believe we'll get to. But uh, as he often does, as we get into the meat of what he wants to to build into the house, he often reveals new things. And today we're going to talk about watching over our words, watching over our words. You know, we could pray and we could, we could do Jericho marches and we could, we could pour out all the oil over buildings and over people. And if we have slander and gossip and accusation and judgment in our hearts, it renders all of that inoperative and incomplete. So at some point we will talk about the power of covering different gates and covering doors and windows with our prayer and standing on the wall But you know, in the old days, when there were fortified cities and there were fortified castles, the way that an enemy would get in was they would just find somebody who was on that wall that would compromise their position of responsibility. They would find somebody on that wall who was willing to betray the trust and the confidence of the people that they were called to protect. And so my charge this morning by the Lord, I believe, is that every single one of us are on the wall. It's not just something that watchmen are called to. It's not just something that intercessors or people that are more prophetically wired are called to. Every one of us are called to the wall of a house. Some of you know that you're called to the wall of Antioch Church. And for those of you who are called to the wall of Antioch Church, I bless you. And those of you who are called to other walls in this city, maybe the Lord plants you or place you or position you at another local fellowship, I want, to, I want to encourage you. I want to charge you by the Lord. Get on that wall and cover that house and cover those people. And don't, don't allow the enemy to pull you off of that wall through your words. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 19, the first point I very simply want to make is that every one of us help form the body of Christ. We talked about this last year. It's not just the body universal, but every single one of us are a part in building and in shaping and creating and forming the local body, wherever that body is that God calls you to. Ephesians 3.19 begins and says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Say, I'm not a foreigner. Say, I'm not an alien. But we are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Say, I'm a member. God's household is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In other words, uh, there's much that I could say here, but we belong to an incredible lineage and heritage and history of the faith. 
What, what is happening here real time today in 2014 is actually something that has been built off of what was established thousands of years ago by the faithfulness, the sacrifice, by the blood, by the prayer, the sweat, the tears of apostolic and prophetic leaders who have gone before us. We are built on that foundation. We have allegiance to a foundation that has been built before us. In, in Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone of this house. Jesus, you're the cornerstone. We just love, we just love acknowledging you as the cornerstone, Jesus. Help us to understand that we are a spiritual body, we're spiritual bricks, we're, st we're spiritual stones, but Jesus, you are the cornerstone that we're fit into. In him, meaning in Jesus, the whole building, us, we, are joined together. Say, I'm joined together. And rises to become a holy temple. And the Lord, church, you are called to be a holy temple. I believe that churches are actually spiritual entities. And I say that out of verse 22. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. I believe that there is a church universal, but I also believe through this scripture and many others that the church and local churches are actually spiritual entities. Now we believe this prophetically. We believe that there can be spiritual um, assignments over territories. We believe that. Come on, come on, intercessors, help me out here. Do we, don't we believe that when you get into certain land and certain atmosphere that there are certain things because of sins that were done in that place that actually it creates a stronghold spiritually and you go into a place and you say, man, there's, there's, a, there's a spirit of lust over this region or there's a spirit of murder over this region or what have you. Well, churches can have that same thing operating. How many realize that? You can go into one local fellowship and the atmosphere will be clean and the atmosphere would be, would be almost like a vortex that draws you closer into the heart of God and you go into a different place and, and, and you can't necessarily articulate or understand what it is that's going on there, but something feels unclean. It feels dirty. It feels heavy. It feels oppressive. Well, that's because of things that have been allowed to go on there for generations within the spirit of that place of that people. And a lot of that happens through authority structures, whether that be pastors, elders, deacons, boards, committees, you name it. I wanna address something that I believe is something that is a problem or an issue that every local fellowship needs to pay attention to. But I also believe that it's something that our house needs to pay particular attention to. And that is the spirit of gossip and slander. Our greatest threats come from within. This morning, I, I want to speak to the warrior inside of every single one of you. And I want, to, I want to wage war on the words that come out of our mouths. I know that every single one of you understand warfare to a degree, but there is a practical dimension of spiritual warfare that goes beyond just what we do prophetically. It goes beyond just what we do that seems spiritual some of the most powerful acts of warfare that you and I can engage in are very practical acts of warfare. Do you know that when you tithe, it's an act of warfare? Scripture says that when you and I tithe, that God himself steps in and he begins rebuking and devour, rebuking the devourer on your behalf. 
So you need to understand every time you come up here, don't take that flippantly. You need to come up here like you're a Spartan warrior and you're, you're, you're waging warfare on the enemy. Now you may not have much to give and that's not the issue. The issue is can you partner with the opportunity to wage warfare on the enemy by being obedient to things God invites you into? One of the most powerful things you can do against the enemy is keeping your mouth closed. James chapter three, I'm not gonna read this entire chapter, but I feel that this is a chapter based on what the Lord has led me into this week. I feel this is a chapter that the Lord wants me to meditate in the entire year of 2014. Guys, I'm coming to you humbly today, not as somebody who's mastered this. I'm coming to you as someone who's gotten beat up and cut up this week by the word of the Lord, because the Lord is showing me that what I'm preaching, that I, I need some correction in my life and he's doing it in a major way. James chapter three, verse one says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. All you teachers out there, pay attention. You know, as I was meditating on this, even this morning, I wanna to speak to the prophets and the teachers in the house because when we start getting into this, you're gonna understand what I mean here. And I'm understanding a little bit more fully why he addresses teachers because teachers and prophets have a tendency to be, be, to be very critical. How many teachers and prophets, now, now you don't wanna raise your hands, but how many teachers and prophets do we have in the house? Go ahead, lift your hands up. Now, am I right about it? You see everything black and white. There's no room for gray. Very little, very little patience, very little flexibility. It's either this, you're either right or you're wrong. It's very simple. Here's the truth. Take it, deal with it, get over it, change. You guys are all getting excited. Good. I'm going to feed you a little dose of your own medicine this morning. Now, this is why he's saying, listen, all of you teachers, all of you people who are bent on laying out the standard of the plumb line of truth, be careful because you will be judged more strictly because you are in essence, a literal mouthpiece of the Lord. You are a mouthpiece of truth. You are a mouthpiece of revelation. And the weight that is on your words as teachers and as prophets, I'm not saying that it's heavier than other people, but I'm saying that there is a great and significant measure of the weight of the authority of the Lord that is on you as teachers and prophetic people. In other words, a word from you could potentially do more harm and damage than a word from someone else. Number two, verse two, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us so we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse five, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Well, I just couldn't get, I couldn't get away from that all week long. I've been driving along, printed up these little index cards and just meditating on this at stoplights. And that phrase, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Consider, think about it, give attention to, watch over this, pay attention to the fact that one little word, one little word of gossip, one little rumor, one little slanderous accusation, one little word of judgment can divide entire churches. 
Think about the years and the hours of prayer and fasting. Think about the sacrifice. Think about all the money that has gone into building houses of the Lord. And one little word of slander can completely annihilate something that so much time and energy and heart and investment has been sown into. I want to encourage you guys, read chapter three with me on your own this week and let the Lord speak to you. Today, there's many things that we could talk about relative to the tongue, but today I want to focus on two things, gossip and slander. Let me distinguish those for you. Gossip, very simple, is idle chatter. Idle chatter. Scripture has much to say about idle chatter, particularly in the book of First and Second Timothy. It seems that there was much of this going on in the church of Ephesus and the apostle Paul was speaking to his young son in the faith saying, you need to watch out because there's a lot of idle chatter going on in the church and you need to deal with it and you need to deal with it swiftly. It is idle chatter that demeans another's character and integrity and reputation. Slander is a little bit different. Gossip can be idle, shooting the breeze, just talking, sharing stories. It's more uh, covert. Slander is very, very open. It's intentional. It is the intentional open sharing of dangerous and damaging information. Let me give you a couple of things here in the scriptures. In the book of Genesis chapter 37, verse two, we see a young boy by the name of Joseph, Jacob's son, who comes and essentially he's tattletelling on his brothers who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing out in the fields. And the Hebrew word there is the word slander. It means to bring a bad report. When you and I slander against a brother or sister in the body, when you and I slander against a pastor, a leader, an elder, a friend, essentially what we're doing is we are sharing a, a negative or a bad report about them. It's the same word used in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 30. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. When the 10 spies of the 12 who went to go check out the promised land, when they came back, what did they give? Say it with me, a bad report. They give a bad report. They were essentially, unbeknownst to them, slandering the character of God. And they were slandering the potential and the power and the ability of God in his promise. Because instead of aligning themselves with faith in the character of God, they opposed the character of God and they slandered the character of God by bringing a negative report into the camp. And 10 people influenced the decision of millions. And listen, an entire generation did not enter into promise because of 10 slanderous people in one congregation. Largest mega church in the world, millions of people, all of whom had witnessed with their own eyes the miraculous demonstration of God's power and were steered by the small rudder of 10 slanderous reports. I want you to think about that today. I'm gonna to talk about the characteristics of gossip and slander. Number one, gossip and slander partner with the spirit of disobedience. Partners with the spirit of disobedience. Leviticus chapter 19 Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16 through 18. Scripture says, this is God speaking, as he is building a nation. Here's the context. The context is God is revealing his law and he's revealing his law to the people of Israel who've been in bondage for 400 years and now they're learning how to be a self-governing people. And this is one of the laws that God shares, Leviticus 19, 16. Do not go about spreading slander. Now, apparently there's something about the health of a society. There's something about the health of a family, the health of a group of friends, the health of a community that slander destroys. 
Are you hearing me this morning? Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I thought that was so fascinating. Look at those two sentences together and see if there's any implication. The first, he says, don't go about slandering. And then secondly, he says, don't endanger your neighbor's life. Essentially, we can deduce from this scripture that when we slander, we are putting our neighbor's lives in danger. We are harming the brothers and sisters around us that are putting their lives in our trust and in our care. Verse 17, do not hate your brother. I want you to understand that all of these, all of these commands, these are not coincidental. Do not slander, do not endanger your brother, do not hate your brother, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against your people. All of these are connected. In fact, it's people who have been hurt. It's people who are embittered, usually are the ones who are slandering others around them. And this is what the father says here in verse 18. He says, do not seek revenge or do not bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Classic verse that we get in Jesus's response when he is asked what the two greatest commands are. There it is right there. And it's set in the context of not slandering against your brother or against your sister. For your notes, you can write down James chapter four. Actually, I'll just read it. James four eleven. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment of it. There is only one lawgiver and there is only one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So number one, we have to understand that when you and I practice the negative speech patterns of slander and gossip, we are participating with a spirit of disobedience. Number two, we are partnering with a spirit of darkness. I wanna be swift about this this morning. I believe that in the spiritual foundation of this house, somewhere there was lodged a spirit of slander. I believe that in the spiritual entity of this house years ago, somehow a political spirit, a divisive spirit, a spirit of murder, a spirit of accusation and judgment and slander weaseled its way into the very core DNA of this place. And today, I'm, I'm, I wanna wage war against that thing. If I had time to show you, I would show you how the spirit of Jezebel partners with the spirit of slander. They work together. Look at Psalm 41 with me, if you would. Psalm 41, verse six through seven. Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. And then he goes about and he spreads it abroad. Verse seven, all of my enemies whisper together against me. That word whisper in the Hebrew is translated gossip, murmuring, and slander. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that gossiping, slandering, and murmuring are all translated whisper? Why is that? It's because nobody slanders in broad daylight. It's something that's done in secret. This is why the psalmist is saying, whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely. In other words, who I am in front, who these people are in front of me is not who they are behind closed doors when they're talking about me. You know how it is 
You see that brother, you see that sister, you see your pastor, you see that person in leadership. And when you're around them, you're sweet, you're kind. Oh, you're you're so wonderful. You're so lovely. And then you walk away and you just start talking about them. What is that? It's called duplicity. It's called not being congruent. It's called a lack of integrity. Let's call it for what it is and let's wage war on it and say it's not allowed in this house. Verse seven, all of my enemies whisper together against me and they imagine the worst for me. Ephesians chapter five, as I was reading that verse in Psalms, I was immediately turned in my thoughts to Ephesians five, verse eight, where it says, you were once darkness. Say, I was once darkness. But it says, but now you are light. Say, now I'm light. You know what that means? It means that things that are done in the darkness have no place in your life. And this, this, this little weaselly, conniving, sinful, scheming patterns of communication have no place in the body of Christ. They have no place in the local church. They have no place in family. They have no place in marriages. They have no place on your job. They have no place in your friendship. Slander and gossip is a tool of the enemy. It is the language of Satan. I'm ticked off. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness. Is your speech good? When you speak about other people, when you speak about your church, do you speak good things? The fruit of the light consists in righteousness. Is your speech righteous? Is it pleasing to the Lord? Is it truth? Here's the thing that I, that I come to understand with this. Truth can be spoken openly in the light It's always falsehood and lies that we want to cover up and speak in darkness. Verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Slander and gossip and judgment and accusation are fruitless. Meaning that they don't produce life-giving fruit. You know what kind of fruit they do produce? They produce death. They produce division. They produce divorce. They produce disappointment. They produce mistrust. They produce suspicion. That's what gossip and slander produces. That is the fruit that you will eat when you participate with that. Verse 12, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. And I believe that's true. If we were to have all of our conversations, all of our private conversations put on display, I believe a lot of us would be ashamed because it's shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Listen, I'm not preaching from a place of condemnation. I am preaching against a spirit, but I'm also preaching into the future of this house. And I'm doing this with all the humility, fear of the Lord and love inside of me. I want you to know this is gonna be a strong love this morning. A spirit of darkness is a spirit of falsehood. You need to understand that you are participating and partnering with a lying spirit when you engage in slander and gossip even when you think you're telling the truth. Isn't that, isn't that the trick of the enemy? Like we start telling these things, thinking and assuming that we're telling the truth, but by the mere fact that we're unwilling to talk to a person and we'd rather speak about a person, the mere fact that we start speaking about a person and not with a person partners us with a spirit of falsehood and a spirit of lying. If we're not willing to have conversations in the light, you are participating with the dark. Here's some questions of evaluation. Number one, is this something that I would say to the person I'm talking about? 
Is this something I would say to the person directly? If it's not, then don't say it. Number two, is this something I would say in public? Number three, how is what I am saying helping the other person? Number four, how is what I'm saying helping the situation? Number five, how is what I'm saying helping the kingdom? Let's just get honest with ourselves. When we participate with slander and gossip, we're not helping the person we're talking about. We're not helping the situation. We're not helping the kingdom. And listen, covering it up and masquerading it as a prayer request does not fly and justify the need to slander and accuse and gossip. Oh, I have something that we need to pray about, sister so-and-so. It's wrong. It doesn't matter how we dress it up. It's wrong. Number three, gossip and slander partner with the spirit of division. Spirit of disobedience. Spirit of darkness. Spirit of dis- division. You need to understand, church, that division is the enemy's number one tactic against God's people and God's purposes. And it comes against us a lot of ways. Letter A, slander separates. Slander separates. This is found in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip. Remember, the word gossip is also translated a murmurer, a whisperer, or a slanderer. A gossip separates close friends. Look at how the New American Standard reads it. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates. Say a slanderer separates. A slanderer separates close friends. Do you know why that is? Because gossip and slander build barriers. Suspicion and doubt are the barriers that are spread through the lips of gossips and slanderers. Many of you are still trying to get into the hearts and trying to build relationship with people that have walls of suspicion and doubt around them because of something somebody said about you. Or let's flip it. There are other people that are trying to get to know somebody else in the fellowship, but because of words that you said, there are walls of suspicion and mistrust and doubt. And if we recall, the language of the orphan is suspicion and mistrust and doubt. Slander and gossip is the language of the orphan. And we are building a family of sons and daughters. Gossip and slander does not belong. I want you to get so violent about this that when somebody starts talking about somebody else, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how just, it doesn't matter how juicy. I know what the scripture says. Gossip's like a choice morsel that goes down to the inmost parts. It is a temptation. It is a temptation. There is something in our sinful self-orientation that is hungry to hear something that is negative about somebody else. But I wanna, I wanna draw a line in this house. I want us to become so violently opposed to this. I want us to say this spirit and this action and this language and these habits are not allowed in this family. Yeah. Slander separates because slander betrays. How many of you have ever been betrayed by somebody, by something somebody said about you? If you haven't, you just haven't heard it yet. This is real time. 
People are talking about you and you're talking about people and it hurts. It's betrayal. It is the breaking of trust. And it doesn't matter how innocent or naive or it doesn't matter how we try to dress this up, church. It hurts hearts. Our unforgiveness does not justify our slander. One of the reasons why we slander so much is because we've not gone to the Father and got healing. And yes, what was done to you was unjust. And what was done to you was painful. And you might have been betrayed yourself, but that does not give you the right to turn around and seek vengeance with your words. The proper Christian biblical response is to get healing from the Father, to forgive the offender, and keep the well of your heart and your mouth pure and clean. Letter B, slander participates with the spirit of division because slander spreads. It spreads. Remember in James chapter three, consider how great a forest is set on fire by such a small spark. I like this verse in 2 Timothy chapter two, verse 16, where it says, this is Paul admonishing young Timothy. 2 Timothy two sixteen: avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. You know what that means? It means that there is cancer coming out of our mouths. There are spiritual diseases that we are disseminating when we participate with gossip and slander. It makes a healthy body sick. The enemy doesn't have to worry about sending demons against a house if all of us are open vessels with, with spirits of division and slander and gossip, he, he knows that we'll take care of ourselves over time. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out and without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Wow. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. It spreads, it spreads. It doesn't just go from you to another person. Every time you speak against somebody negatively, it compounds and it multiplies. Letter C, slander is selfish. It is selfish. It is self-seeking, it is self-serving, and it is selfish. And we find that in James chapter three, verse 13. I'm not calling you selfish but I'm saying that that spirit is a selfish spirit and it appeals to a selfish, sinful nature. It appeals to a nature that doesn't care what happens in the aftermath. It appeals to the nature inside of us that's curious and that is actually seeking some sort of attention. Come on, you know, let's be real honest here. When we start talking about other people, there's some need for attention. There's some need to be in the know. There's some need to elevate ourselves that that thing is appealing to. And it's the root of it is selfishness. James 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth for such wisdom like that, does not come down from heaven, 
That kind of wisdom is unearthly, it is unspiritual, and it is demonic. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Letter D, slander is a snare. It is a snare. So, slander separates, slander spreads, slander is selfish, and slander is a snare, and this is how it partners and participates with the spirit of division. We find this in Proverbs 26, verse 22. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into a man's inmost parts. As I read that, I had the picture of a seed. Whenever you and I slander, you and I are sowing seeds of division. And those seeds are snares. They are traps. Do you remember in Matthew 13, four types of soil? The hard soil, the rocky soil, the soil that was overtaken with thorns and weeds and snares. When we participate with the spirit of slander, we are creating a foothold in the lives of other people that the enemy has direct access to their lives. Are you sowing division? Are you sowing mistrust? Are you sowing suspicion? Or are you sowing life? And are you sowing unity? And finally, the spirit of slander partners with the spirit of death. I had to stop last night as I was working through this. As revelation came to me, the phrase that I wrote down is, I'm gonna read this verse to you, you'll see what I'm referencing, but the spirit I wrote down, it just, it just dropped in my spirit. The spirit of slander is the spirit of assassination. It is a murderous spirit. Let me show you this in Psalm 31. Turn there with me if you would. Psalm 31, very, very important. I read this verse and the spirit of the Lord dropped this inside of me. It is the spirit of assassination, character assassination. Psalm 31, 13, this is David writing. He says, I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. Look at these words just very quickly. I have heard the slander of, look at, look at the, the, the cohorts. Look at the partners of slander. Terror. As a spirit of fear and intimidation partners with the spirit of slander. Do you know that when you slander against a pastor or a brother or a sister or a teacher or a friend, you know when you do that, you're sowing fear into someone's heart and life? Look at the next one. It's a spirit of conspiracy. While they took counsel together against me. You see this in Proverbs chapter two. You see this in Proverbs chapter one, where, this, where, where, where the author is saying, my son, don't walk on the paths of those who take counsel to do harm to others. The spirit of slander participates with the spirit of conspiracy. Organized crime. It's the same thing. Are you seeing this? Finally, look right here. It says, they schemed to take away my life. It's called murder. The spirit of slander is a spirit of murder. It is self-mutilation to the body. Think about this. If you belong to this body and you slander another member of this body, you are self-mutilating your own body. I want you to understand, 
I want you to get this visual. Every time you start talking about somebody else of you punching your, yourself in the eye. Who would do that? We would every time we speak against our brother or our sister. Slander is deceitful. It identifies people inaccurately. It labels people unjustly. It aligns the person that we are slandering with the thoughts and the ideas of the enemy. Slander is the language of the enemy. God does not slander. God always addresses situations honestly. God is man enough to have a conversation. And that's because slander is cowardly. It belongs to cowards. It is to shoot someone in the back. It is to attack them while they are unaware. It is to accuse them and acquit them without a trial. Slander is for cowards. Let me read this verse to you that was very eye-opening in Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. You'll get, I, I encourage you, read all of Romans one. You'll get the entire context here. I'm taking the last few verses of Romans chapter one. Many of us understand Romans chapter one as the chapter where God, you know, he pours out his wrath and, and he basically says, your judgment's gonna be upon your own head for turning against me. And a lot of us, we take that verse and we leverage that verse against a certain type of people group. But I want you to understand as we read this verse, this verse is for people who willingly disobey the ways of God and slander is incorporated in this, and I want you to see it here in Romans 1:28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. Listen to these words, wickedness. They have become filled with every kind of evil, greed, depravity. Listen to these words. They are full of envy, murder, strife, Deceit and malice, they are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent new ways of doing evil. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Slanders and gossipers are on that list. In closing, what is God's pattern? God's pattern for disappointment, God's pattern for disagreement, God's pattern for relational conflict, God's pattern for all these things are three honest conversations. I'm gonna blast them very quickly. Three honest conversations. Do you know slander and gossip are not honest conversations? They are dishonest conversations. They are dishonest conversations. Three honest conversations, number one with God. How do we deal with things that we see in other people's lives how do we do And guys, I, there's much here that we can unpack, but I'm just gonna be very simple about this. You need to have an honest, honest conversation with God. If you've been offended, if you've been hurt, if you've been treated unjustly, if you see things, if, if, if you think that you're a better leader, I'll never forget when God spoke to me and he says, you are not the leader, so stop talking to me about this. Oh, if I were the leader, I could do that better. Well, are you the leader, son? No. All right. Conversations over, case closed. I won't talk about this until you become the leader. Now you need to work on submission and silence. So have an honest conversation with God. And you can find this in Matthew 6, 43 through 45, where Jesus teaches us how we talk about our enemies. You pray for them. You have an honest conversation with God. Go into intercession. 
Number two, our second honest conversation was with ourselves. We find this in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Why are you pointing out the, the plank in someone else's, or the speck in someone else's eye, or their life, or their leadership, or this church? When you got a lot, if I'm interpreting this, this is the New King Jade version, all right? You got so much stuff you ought to be working on. You got so much junk in your life. You got so much of you that doesn't look like Jesus yet. Why are you still talking about what what everybody else hasn't come up to par? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Take that log, take that plank out of your own eye and pay attention to you becoming like Christ instead of you pointing at everybody else and and showing where they're not measuring up. Have an honest conversation with yourself. Finally, have an honest conversation with the person. I I would much rather, I would much rather you guys line up and, and start having honest conversations with people around you. You know why that? Because that requires courage, which is a character of Christ. Cowardice is not. It requires humility, which is a character of Christ. Pride is what slanderers live off of. It requires love, okay? When we slander one another, and there's a scripture who references that, we're actually participating with the spirit of hatred. Have an honest conversation with the people around you. We find this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. You know what it means? It means love them enough to muster up the guts, to sit down and to learn how to have an honest conversation. Learn how to have an honest conversation. The way I like to teach this is talk with, not about. That's God's pattern. Talk with, not about. Do you know how many church splits? Do you know how many friendships? Do you know how many staff members would have been saved? Do you know how many positions around the world? You just think about this. Do you know how many of those things would have been protected if we would have learned how to develop the courage and the love to talk with not against. I want you guys to stand with me to your feet this morning. And I, don't, I just want us to do a corporate act here. I want us to pray into this and then we'll be done. But, but we just need to serve that spirit of slander and that spirit of division, spirit of darkness, spirit of death, spirit of disobedience. We need to serve it. Notice it's not welcome in this garden. How many, you, how many of you guys feel that? Huh? The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. If you're not man enough to have a conversation, then shut up. I am not mad at anybody in this room. I am mad at a a very real threat that has the potential to take a family out. God needs Antioch Church in this city. God needs you in Antioch Church, which means he needs you to grow up. I want you to understand every time that you and I are tempted to slander, it's an opportunity towards building authentic relationship and kingdom community. Every temptation to slander is an invitation to spiritual maturity. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together today. God, I ask for the spirit of godly sorrow to invade this house right now. The spirit of godly sorrow the spirit of godly sorrow. You know, I, I, just, I just so felt today because of the repentance that I went through and that I am still going through. If you need to repent, guys, repent. Build an altar right here, right now. Repent for the things that have come out of your mouths. God, today we repent. 
individually, corporately. Father, we don't know where we allowed the spirit into this house. We don't know where it gained a foothold. We don't know where it gained entrance. We don't know where it gained a stronghold. But this day, we close that door shut in the name of Jesus. God, we repent to you. We repent for mutilating the body. We repent for our cowardice. We repent for our character assassination. We repent, Father, for attacking our friends, our brothers, our sisters, your sons, your daughters, your beloved. And this day, God, we ask for the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We ask for the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This day, God, we ask for the spirit of godly sorrow that leads us to repentance. We ask for the spirit of transformation. We ask for the spirit of God. We ask for the spirit of love that covers over a sin. We ask you, God, to transform every one of us from the inside out. I ask, Father, that you would continue to work on us and do business with us until we, God, until you transform our language as you transform our hearts, that we will be some of the greatest guardians and protectors of the character and the integrity of the people that are around us. There's no way that's gonna get into this house anymore. We're gonna stand on the wall of guarding each other's character. And Father, if somebody has a problem, we're gonna be a peacemaker. We're gonna grab their hand. We're gonna walk them right over to our brother and we're gonna say, let's have an honest conversation. And we're gonna grow and we're gonna mature and we're gonna fight and we're gonna build a house that is rock solid and stands the tests of time and stands the attacks of the enemy. So this day exonerate us, we pray by the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us, clear our conscience, cleanse our heart, and God, enable us corporately to move forward with a fresh slate and a clean slate in Jesus' name. Come on.